Welcome back, listeners, to the Brighter Side of Blue, the podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Tommy. I'm JJ. All right, JJ. Live from the Blue Line Technology Studios. Um, this is a big day for us. I'd like to welcome our listeners from Singapore. Damn right. Singapore the, is on the Got the, the Asia, baby. Asia's in. Come all, on now. All continents are covered. We don't have to go over that. Argentina or what? What was it? Yeah, uh, All right, we're still gonna get somebody there. I got my man and I that lives in Argentina. Okay, he's talking about possibly going skiing. Okay, well, but one thing we know is Singapore is one hundred percent. We Asia. got him. So you we got are, him. We did are. you ask that Singapore fan to email us just to say hey, get a name? Yeah, we'll do. No, it's it's not just one, JJ. It's I believe it is a DEA agent, if I'm not mistaken. That makes sense. I believe it's thousands, if not millions. I think it's right. just but random. But he's fan. spreading the word. Yeah, he's he spreading, spreading the word. word. He's yeah. Good. And the word is spreading fast. Hey, Tommy, what's up with that eyebrow you got going? I don't know. It's rogue as hell, and is it's it? driving me crazy. Yeah, I got you haven't I, found I, a, You haven't found a new hair person? No. <laughs> so no, you just don't plan go? on it either. Really? We've got some viewer mail uh, complaining about Tom's shaggy look. <laughs> That's Did all. you really? Yeah, Sam Monty sent in and said, well, what's up with oh. all your well, <laughs> What's up, he's Monty? Got his left eyebrow is going straight, straight up. Uh-oh. Lick it. Uh-oh. There you go. It's got You got it. All right. All right, now there you go. Tame that All thing. Right. It was rogue. All right. You got to be better than that. This Trim is, it up. We're up to 130,000 views on the uh, 21 Jump Street thing. We're big time. We can't have eyebrows going all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you, don't you know it? All right. So How about that? Shape 130K. 130. Uh, you know, we always say we're going to have Ron Clyer back. I don't think he'll, he'll come back now. He's going to make us pay him. But he'll go out on his own. He's a social media darling. He's, he's a social media guru. Uh, Jack Milliken, you're in the house. Yes, sir. Videographer Jack. This is a good time to give us a social media update. Yeah, we're looking at around over 200,000 views across all platforms of our of our uh, shorts and clips that we've been putting out. Um, if you want to find us, you just have to search The Brighter Side of Blue on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook. That's all you have to search, and you'll find us, and you'll find... Find where we're at. 200,000 views. Come on now. Hey, I got something to go off script a little bit. Go ahead. Going back a couple episodes, we talked about the horn etiquette thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, the horn. Well, I had an incident on my way in today. You did? Yes. And I'm a, I'm a polite horn guy. So I go, there, when I get to the highway, I got to go through multiple lights to get here. So I get behind a car. It's a Mustang, nice Mustang. The light turns green. I give doesn't go anywhere. You gave him a little I tap. I gave him a little tap. It was all, a friendly just one. a little friendly tap. So we get going, no harm, no foul. We keep going. We make the next light. Get into the third light. Guess what? We don't make it. So I'm behind him again. Uh-oh. And the light turns green, and he's not going anywhere. And I don't even know if it's he or she because the windows are tinted. I'm assuming it's a male. doesn't move. So I, what kind of horn do you think I gave him? A little firmer? A I got an, No, I gave him an angry one. That's now, We talked right. about we that. We just talked about this, dude. You I know. I not to do that. I did the nice one the first time. Do it the well, second time. Yeah, it would have worked yeah, the same. Yeah, dude, it would have worked I, the same. John, do you have any? Or, that's bullshit. Because <laughs> I gave a nice one, and, he, and then we were going along, and we missed the next you one. Violate. Yeah, that's a because you, of you him. If he was on his A game, we would have made both, all the lights. JJ, you're the Zen guy. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the Zen guy. All right, I take all that back. It's never <laughs> happened, but I, get, I wasn't like real angry, but it was kind of a it was a firm and like, come on, dude. Once That's, it's on, but on it you, but on me. The first one worked when you did it politely. It Don't worked. you think it would have worked the same way? Same guy, 
Oh, come on now. Come on, you got you. you he might have been messing with you. We're not right. giving you this one, Jay. That's what I, I thought. I think, you were, I I think thought, it was a little. I angry. thought he's gonna be more support on this. I thought you were gonna be like, yeah, angry one. No. That's no, me. no, I can't no. support the anger. Well, there's started, a reason that, started, that the, you got road rage. There's yeah, a reason why the the car manufacturers don't put a time limit on the horn because <laughs> some people deserve a tap and some people deserve the full. Thank you. The full package. Monty. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I brought that one up, but it make me look bad. But I don't no, no, care. No, 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 you don't look bad. And ex- <laughs> you took the high road last the first when my phone was. So <laughs> Thanks. I should take the high road. You know what? Screw that person. You should have honked on it for five minutes. There you go. I agree. I'm with you on this. I wasn't like I laid on it and didn't. I just gave him a good, strong horn. Yeah. And he moved on. And he's lucky he didn't. Like, now, did you do you give him a stare a down when you passed him? No, I didn't get to pass him because I. Would had you have good, given him the stare down? Oh, I'd have looked at him for sure. See. He didn't get that's a, that's a violation. violation. That's a horn etiquette violation too. The stare down after the horn. <laughs> oh no, no, that you cannot. You do don't that. be. Don't well, man, hey, you got to look. Once he's maybe he's mad at me, and he might be able. You know, his road rage. He I might just, be. That's so that's embellishing. He might shoot at me. Or something. <laughs> that's all right, let's move on. I'm sorry, I brought this all one. Right. Up. <laughs> sorry, you're, you're right. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, we'll have to explain. Bi- it. What's the final verdict? A violation, correct? That's a horn etiquette violation. Definitely a horn etiquette okay. violation. Mark, wait a minute. There's five of us here. I think they should vote. Jack, what's your vote? Uh, violation. Damn it, Jack. <laughs> That's it. Producer John? I'm voting present. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'll work on it then, fellas. Okay, all right, hang in that. there. Well, you know what? Let's reach out to the Singapore uh, listener and yeah, see I what like they it. think. And, and we'll know. make him the deciding vote. Th- that is the deciding vote. No, no matter what he sa- he she says, uh, the listener in Singapore is going to decide this matter. I like it. There's 5.4 million people in Singapore, and we have one. That's right. But he speaks for all of them. He speaks for all of them. you got to start <laughs> somewhere. He's our delegate. <laughs> He's our, hey, you know what? Take a deep breath. Take oh, a deep come. breath. Take Get a deep breath. Mr. Spicoli. That's the name they gave me. I pushed the wrong button again. Okay. Okay. That's why, that, that's what, that's why we're yeah. rookies. That was supposed to be the hey, Zen bud, moment. What's your problem? Instead, you're Mr. No Spicoli. I was laughing too hard. I think you know where the front office is. <laughs> you dick! That's a good way to start. That's Zen. a good way to lead into Name Zen. calling right into the Zen moment. <laughs> now we go into Zen. Yeah. Hit the right button. A Zen moment with JJ. Forget about the name calling. The producer John just Let's get back into Zen us. mode. Yeah, let's give it a second. All right, this is, uh, I really like this one. It says, count your age by your friends, not the years. Count your life by your smiles, not your tears. And that's actually a famous person said that. Okay. I like that. All right, say it again now. Come on. Count your age by your friends, not your years. Count your life by your smiles, not your tears. All right. Trying to figure it out my age, but I can't. I can't figure it out. You got a lot of friends. You're nine. A lot of friends, though. <laughs> you want to know who said that? Any guesses? It's a famous person, probably known throughout the world. Uh, younger people may may know. I'm guarantee he knows. Jack knows who he is. Barney Five. He's uh in the '60s. He was really uh, popular. '70s is Johnny Cash. No. You ready to tell you? Yeah, we kind of do. Right. We don't know how long it's going to go. We, we want to guess for a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't tell, guess until I'm we not going to tell you now. John Lennon. John right. Lennon. All right. Well, well, I thought it was a good one. No, that was, good one. One. was really good. I, I do like that one. I do like that one. I really enjoyed that one. Puts us pretty good off. Lots of friends, yeah. lots of smiles. Right. Yeah. You know, We're in a good spot. It, us and all our peeps out there listening. 100%. 129,000 on the... Uh, um, Ron Clyer, 21 Jump Street. He's, I'm telling you, he's got the look. He's got that social media look and that 
boister, just boisterous, booming voice. They have good voices. Yeah. What's the hair and the beard? And Tommy's working on it right now. Yeah, I got to get the look. You didn't get the clarity. At least you got I'm going to go thing. Woody. <laughs> I'm going to go Woody and just get that beard way down there. It's easy. Actually, I do like to trim my beard. What do we got for us? What do we got next? All right. This week, we've got Joe Burgoon. Um, the godfather I, of homicide. The godfather of homicide is back for a little sit down. And and while you guys were out on vacation, just to let everybody know, Danny and, and Jimmy just got back. And I interviewed Joe last week. And it was just me and producer John that interviewed him about the Ellen Bame case. Um, and Ellen is uh, currently in jail. She murdered her two children. And uh, you, we'll uh, hear about that um, a little bit later. But I, I will say that uh, interviewing him by myself, it, I missed the chaos. I completely <laughs> missed the chaos. I was no interruptions. And it, it was just incredible. And then I was looking at John going, what do I ask next? I didn't have any of you guys around. to just throw some bullshit in. Well, so. we, we'll try not to take vacation anymore. As long exactly. As, long Cancel as we them. live. Yeah, we'll, we'll hang in there. We just didn't think the Zoom thing was going to work with both of you guys on Zoom. That show would have been a disaster. So uh, THC uh, didn't pay off to help out? What's that? Well, THC didn't help your your interview question. techniques? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll know when we see it. Yeah, we'll, we'll listen to it. So we followed up, we're following up uh, with the uh, homicide, uh, Godfather of Homicide. Following up, uh, Steve Dodge, very powerful show. That was incredible. But real quick, I want to just tell people what's coming up next week, too, is uh, Nikki Badalato is going to be on the show. And uh, Nikki is a retired FBI agent that uh, was recently featured in Rolling Stone about an undercover case that um, undercover work she's done in the, in the area of trafficking children. Um, and she went undercover, and she's got a really neat story. And uh, Nikki works for the uh, Cardinals now as a retired agent, some part-time work. And she works with our, with our good buddy, Jerry Layshock, who helped us set up the interview. And uh, she's got a very interesting story. And, and uh, we're looking forward to interviewing her and having her in. So that's next week. That's next week. That's next week. Yep. I have met her. You did? Yes. Okay. Well, I worked at the stadium, and she was there with Jerry a few times, and he introduced me to her. Okay. 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 Good story. Yeah. Thanks, JJ. <laughs> Just know it's a, you know. <laughs> Seven degrees. Seven. Seven degrees. <laughs> He's had to get that in there. I know her. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We're friends. We go way you back. set up the interview. We go back to last summer. I don't think he was going to elaborate. He says, I know. Nice <laughs> matter. I, well, just, I didn't know that's who it was when you just okay. mentioned who she worked as a card. Right. JJ's paying attention to what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, prepping the before show. the show. Right. Says, hey, what do we got yeah. next week? All right. Hang in there. I didn't get the little card and notes. I had to take my own. Okay. okay. Let's hey. move on. Stop staring. Stop staring at me. The Steve Dodge show. What did we miss? It was pretty powerful stuff. It was. Um, it, 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 like, we were talking before, and we're like, hey, we, we're going to tone it down this week. Well, you know, a mother killing her two children isn't exactly toning it down, but compared to last week's show, it is toning it down. And yeah. uh, that, it, what a show. The response has been incredible. Um, a lot of wows. Um, it's just it's been incredible. People just re- are uh, really – acknowledging Steve's courage that it took to tell that story. And uh, when we were sitting around after the, after the show, um, one thing that we forgot, you know, that was, and we talked about how cool it was, was the funeral procession. And uh, J.J. being in mobile was right there in front. He can tell us, you know, I, I describe think we, that. we missed the boat a little bit last week. But I don't think we really told how the city was just in, in shock over it. It was the first time an officer in a uniform was shot down. 
and killed. I mean, the last one was Greg Erson, and he was undercover and got killed. That was like 20 years ago. So back then, police been getting shot by bad guys in uniform. Now it's out of control through the country. But that, then it was a big deal. It was such a big deal. And in St. Louis, we always listen. We're car everyone's Cardinal fans. And you listen to the Cardinals on the radio if they're playing. So I just remember when uh, this happened, I turned the Cardinal game on in the car, and Jack Buck uh, got on and mentioned he was going to give $5,000 to backstoppers. And he said, my son Joe, who had just been getting in the business, he's going to give $5,000. He just doesn't know it yet. So, I mean, that was on a national card Cardinal game. So the whole city was just, you know, sad, and it was just amazing. But the funeral, and I've never been a part of a funeral like this, um, it was the largest funeral procession I've ever seen. It went for I would, how many miles? I mean, miles. From I the cathedral say. to the resurrection. And we, we, we weaved through the city, and we hit Gravoy Road. It's a big road, a lot of lights, and just everybody in businesses came out of their businesses and stopped. Uh, people pulled their cars over in intersections. Everyone got out of their car. There was people saluting the people that drove by, the procession that drove by. It was just awe-inspiring. It was just unbelievable. And uh, I, one of the things that I remember, a friend of ours, Brian McKenna, uh, his brother was a former police officer. He left to go to the brewery and everything. But I grew up with Brian. He was a friend of mine since grade school. As we're pulling into the, the, uh, the um, cemetery, He's standing there with a big sign saying, police are our heroes. And I was like, holy cow, that's Brian. I didn't. And he knew, he said, so I talked to him. He actually, he knew Bob and Michelle from the neighborhood. So I mean, for him to do that, I, standing out in the heat. And I think the, I, I recall, too, is you coming down King's Highway where they have just a line of, of right. auto dealerships. And the auto dealerships all got together and they... They raised their hoods open and they turned on their lights. Flashers. Yeah, yeah and it was right. uh, it was it's just moving stuff and and uh, all the kids that were lined. I think St. Gabriel's might have let their kids out of school. Yeah, they were in the line for that, and yeah, it, it was, was just it was it was unbelievable. And you saw the businesses along the roads all came out of their businesses to watch the procession. It was unbelievable. And then I also got a call from from Jack's father, Scott. It was not to pay his recent invoice. Videographer Jack's right. father? It was, yeah, it was not to pay his invoice, but it was a cool story. Um, Scott was a classmate of, of Bob's. Um, they were very tight defensive tactic partners. You know how that goes. And then they both went to the 7th District. And um, so they were very tight. And, and when he got that call that day, he went up to the hospital and um, Michelle allowed him into the room and he, 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 was, he said goodbye to Bob. And then he went to, you know, as many of us, depending on how you cope with tragedy, he went to a bar and he, he sat down and he had a, uh, he said he had a glass of, he ordered a glass of um, uh, scotch. And it got there. And then out of the blue on the um, jukebox played um, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Wow. So that was cool. That's really cool. I think they actually rode together, didn't they, in the seventh for a while? They a may bit. have, yeah. I think they did. They were partners. Yeah. So that and then Scott was saying how special the episode was to him. And right. So that, that's just it's just cool stuff like that that made it all worth it. And, well, and, and Michelle's uh, text to you and Steve was pretty amazing too. Yeah. It was to Steve. Yeah. But yeah. What was it to Steve? Yeah. It was it was it was pretty heavy. It needed to be talked about. Steve's a brave guy. He's never talked at that length uh, to anybody about that in public. And then he goes on a podcast um, and does it. Um, and then. I mean, next this week's show is about a mother that kills two of her children. I promise our listeners that we are 
going to get brighter. And, <laughs> and, and we talk about how, how law enforcement family gets together and has gotten together on all these uh, tragic things. Uh, Tommy, uh, brighter side of blue is going to have some events on on the on the lighter side. Yeah, lighter and brighter side. Exactly. Of blue. So what we're what we're planning to do is is maybe once every two months is having events um, at different locations for different things. Um, we're going to have uh, some speakers. We're going to do a podcast from the location, and just invite all our listeners out. You know, we talked so often about how the only time we ever get together is either at a fundraiser for something tragic or. At a um, or at a funeral home, and we just want to change that tide and, and kind of get people together in a more joyous manner um, for different things and, and have fun doing it. Yeah. Um, and so that's we really and and we're gonna have our first one in April. Uh, it's pretty cool what we're thinking about right now. Don't want to give too much away, but um, it's gonna be here um, before you know it. Yep. It'll be, it'll be neat to have uh, show the family in a in a brighter, lighter side. Right. And we don't want it to just be policemen. We want our some of our other listeners to come out that aren't. No, police. I'm actually saying right now that I'm going to fly our listener from Singapore in for it. <laughs> if, if actually, Denny's going to do it. Oh, yeah. Denny will bring him on the helicopter. Denny Clyro, get the helicopter. Okay, Denny, Denny, if you're listening, get that thing cranked the helicopter up. Helicopter cranked up. Head to Singapore, pick up our listener, come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That'll be good. That, that, that can't, I can't wait for those events. Right. Okay. So let's talk about uh, today's show, The Godfather, Joe Burgoon. Yep. Um, he just, um, he was, you know, as, as we know, he'll be coming on every once in a while and, and, and doing different, telling different stories. And, and one of the things that, just so everybody knows, is one of the reasons we started this whole thing was to memorialize just some of the great police work that goes on throughout everything. Throughout this whole area, I should say, not just Saint and City of St. Louis, but the county and these municipalities. And I know we've started out in the city pretty hard, but we really want to grow this thing to get out other stuff and just memorialize, like I said, and do it in a fun fashion. Yeah. I think people um, realize that we like to have fun and, and we giggle and we laugh a lot and we make fun of each other. That's part of who we are. Um, but we really want to just memorialize this stuff too and get these great stories on, you know, recorded. Have fun doing it, and and we're really having a good time. So, uh, uh, Tommy, uh, producer John was mentioning before the show, you know, being in law enforcement, all of us for decades and decades, that uh, we were put in and uh, in situations that you, if you weren't in law enforcement, you'd never have that opportunity. And uh, I think you were going to go somewhere with some kind of idea on that, right, John? Yeah, producer it's, John. I always think it's interesting to to ask fellow officers what is one situation that you were in that was really cool that you probably would have never had a chance to be in that position if you weren't working if you weren't a police officer like my personally i i was working um, the debates when clinton bill clinton and uh, george herbert walker bush were debating and uh, the bush after party was at uh, st louis community college at forest park and that you know, they we all had very specific posts. We you know we had the man, and we were in uniform. And I was like near where the limousine was going to pull up, and 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 President Bush and his wife were going to you know get out and go into the event. But it was too far down that I you know that I really couldn't see that well. So I just kind of moseyed my way down to right at the end of the of the hallway where where the limousine was letting them out 
So I'm just standing there. I just wanted to see the president. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm looking at him, and we make eye contact, and he goes right out of the procession line, and he and Barbara walk right up to me, and he said, hey, officer, thank you for being here. I, I appreciate everything you do. And I shook his hand, and I shook the first lady's hand, which I thought was like a really, really cool event. And two, just how genuine he was about you know, wanting to, to express his gratitude to, to a police officer. Yep. On that same note, then I'm going to go to mine because the coolest thing I've done um, as a policeman, being in SWAT for all the years that I was in SWAT, in election years, and when the presidents come in, the vice presidents, I've been in multiple motorcades with the Secret Service, taking them out to the airport, onto the tarmac, and those are things you'd never get to do unless you were, you know, a policeman. So those are That's pretty cool. those are pretty cool stuff. It's yeah. pretty well, crazy, Annie. You got well, any? it's it's along the same lines. I had uh, Colonel Layshock and I um, had a, a period of 24 hours where we were in, we were in charge of uh, Vice President Dick Cheney after he was no longer the active vice president. And what we didn't know, it was right about this time that. Um, the vice presidents no longer receive Secret Service for life. And so... Really? Uh, Colonel Layshock and I were... So they hired you two? Bodyguards <laughs> from to, the Secret Service. What, well, are, you, what buddy, are you doing here? My buddy, he, uh, 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 Dick Cheney, was coming in to give a speech for uh, uh, Edward Jones. And so my buddy hired me and Layshock to uh, look out after uh, Vice President Dick Cheney. And it was... Did you talk, any, did you talk like top secret stuff with well, him? It was unbelievable what we did. I mean, so we... we had him in a in a penthouse, and Colonel Leshock and I had separate rooms on each side of him, so we had the room surrounded, and I mean on each side of him, and we uh, took him down to give his little speech. But the f- cool thing was, his handlers ordered a limousine for him. He had a 5 p.m. flight, so right in rush hour, and the limousine was coming at 4:15 uh, at Union Station to get him. And so uh, I said, Mr. Vice President, I you know. I appreciate them getting you a limo, but you're never going to make your flight leaving Union Station out to uh, Lambert in rush hour. You're just not going to do it. I go, I have a unmarked command car, one of those, what was it, uh, um, I don't know, Impala, my Impala. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, if you hop in with me and Colonel Leshock, we'll get you there. Cowboy hat and all, he's in the passenger seat, vice president, you know, just really? recently the vice president of the United States is in the front seat and... Uh, next to me, and Layshock's in the back, and we talked the entire time out there. Got caught in a little traffic. I go, Mr. Vice President, you want me to hit the lights and sirens? He says, no, son, I've had enough of that. Just get just get me there as best you can. So we get there, and Layshock's asking. him. But I remember one question Layshock asked him that was uh, kind of important today. He said, out of all the world leaders you, you sat down with and you dealt with the most, and he cut Layshock off. He says, uh, never, ever trusted uh, Vladimir Putin. Really? He no said kidding. he was KGB. You don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, I never trust him. I was That's well documented. Several times. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but he said it to us. That's and, cool. and then we get to the airport. Like we, he was letting you guys in on a secret. Well, it's, he said it directly to me. You, I think you're trying to diminish this for me. I'm not, and it's my, I'm not. I'm just it's saying. Producer it's producer John's obvious. most memorable moment. Right. And you're kind of taking it from me. Right. You know, no, like no, stripping, no. You're stripping impressive. me clean. Of, Captain Obvious. Putin's a bad guy. I'm going to power through this. But, uh, um, he, we got him to the airport, and he had to go into this little special room that we arranged. And two TSA agents came in, and they, they're giving him the whole search thing. They're doing the whole thing, and I'm like, man, do you really? It's a vice president. And, and Dick Cheney goes, I guess I deserve this. I started the TSA, huh? which is also not a secret. 
Okay. It's not a secret. I know. But he did say that. But he's saying it to us, and it was right. kind of a, you know. Right. Plus, you already, he had, you already shot somebody, too. Yeah, plus he shot somebody haunting. <laughs> and, you know, and thank God Leshock didn't bring clear, that up. Clear yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah thank God. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, to me, it was still special, Tommy. <laughs> that's that's hey, a cool story. You topped us all so far. Tommy, can you top that one? No. I, I mine would have been. So I thought it was going to be really cool, the Pope. When the Pope visited, yeah, in nineteen ninety nine, but it was kind of a kind of a um, well, they put the media or not. The, I'm not blaming the media, but they put so much emphasis on how uh, difficult it was going to be. You know, they were going to set up triple checkpoints and all different kind of stuff. But I was I was looking forward to you know seeing him. You know, it's not too often you get to see the Pope. I think he's one of the most popular men in the world. Um, but hardly anybody. Compared to what they were saying was going to show up, hardly anybody showed up. And then I was on Lindell, and the Pope Mobile shot by at about 45, oh, 50. Yeah. It just shot by. I thought, I thought Dennis Clyer was chasing him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was standing down there. We might have been together, and, and, and the girl next to me said, that was a drive-by poping. <laughs> drive-by poping. It was. <laughs> but I would say the most. You know, we'll get off his papalness, his holiness. Yeah. His papalness. He yeah. just said papalness. Now, we would never let you get away with that. That's okay, you? Tom. Oh, my God. I understood it. <laughs> but but the, uh, <laughs> the the one that I would remember the most was uh, Mark McGuire's 60-second home run. Um, Major Zambo was in charge of security downtown or in the, at the ball game, and he had put me behind home plate for that game. And as soon as he hit the home run, you know, we walked out, you know, and I got to stand right behind home plate. Of course, I had to face the crowd because we were there for security. I yeah. couldn't gawk at the what was going on. But um, just hearing everything behind me and people were going crazy. And, yeah. Um, so that was that would have been mine, I guess. Can I change mine? Why? Because you've made me think of something. Well, he you took go, two. You're going to go to the David He took Freed. two. I am. He dropped Lay the shock. I already talked about this before, but I was on the field when David Freeze, because of Lay Shock, when, when Freeze hit that home run yep. and game seven. Those are... If I could go back in time for one of my moments as a policeman, it'd be that one. No yeah. doubt. That was cool. Yeah. All right. Just it. Sounds pretty good. I like that. Oh, a um, quick story. So last weekend I was at the Arkansas-Mizzou hockey game. Okay. And um, ran in, you know, and Joe Cruz, who was on with Steve last week, his boy Kyle is a senior at Arkansas and plays on a hockey team, so I went out there to watch him play. And what was cool, two things were very cool that I thought worth mentioning. Um, one, you know, I got up there, I said, hi to everybody, and I see Joe's brother Andy and his wife Karen, and I gave him the head nod and the wave from the distance, and um, and I didn't see their daughter Hannah there, but I sat down, and Hannah, or um, Andy and Karen come over with Hannah, and they, they introduced her to me, and and introduced me as like the guy that ran that, that's in the podcast with the eyebrow, and, and then we knew, and, and I and I knew Hannah from being younger, but uh, <laughs> I just caught your joke. <laughs> that interrupted me now. You got stuck. But I, so, but it was neat that you know she's a list, she's a big big listener, and uh, and it made me feel like I was some kind of superstar or something, but yeah. I'm not. And but. Uh, we took a picture, and as you guys see, Jack threw that picture up there. Awesome picture, great picture. Um, so that was that. That was the first thing. The second one that I want to mention is we were waiting after the game, and we were waiting for Kyle to come out just to say hi to Kyle. It's, it's probably one of the last times we'll see him play. You know, he's a college senior, like I said, he's the captain of the team, and he came out and 
and we were waiting for him. And then before he got to us, though, the, he saw these little kids um, that were traveling with an Arkansas travel team, you know, one of those 11-year-old travel yeah. teams. And they yeah. were in town watching the hockey game, and they came to watch the college team play. So Kyle saw him, and, and here's a couple pictures of him. He kneels down with the kids. He's talking to him. He's acting like he's interested, or he's not acting. He is interested in talking to him. And it was good. And then Kyle said, hold on. And he went into the locker room. And yeah, he didn't come out with sticks because those things are like 275 and they got to pay for their own. But he got some broken sticks. Yeah. And he came out and he was signing them for the kids and he gave them to the kids. But what was really cool is afterwards, these kids would run, were running over to their mother and they were so excited. Cool. And that just that that's a cool story that I thought was that you know just a couple things I saw that are cool. What I noticed about it is Kyle did not get his father's head of hair, <laughs> which is a good thing. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, he's got a flowing lock of. He's hair. got some hair now. Yeah, he does. Hockey. That's hair. a pretty good story. And Kyle's playoffs are starting, so good luck to Kyle and the Ice Hogs. And they're coming to St. Louis, so we're going to yeah. get to watch the it. The Ice Hogs will be back one more that. time. Yeah, that's a yep. good story. Yep. All right. Producer John, hey, anything? I got one more thing real quick. I know we're going on and on, but I'll, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Mike uh, Craig Robertson. Yes. Uh, oh. He got shot um, last on the 8th, I think, walking out of a club, with, not a club club, a private club uh, with him, uh, Lieutenant Boyer and retired Sergeant uh, Cl- uh, Cliff Summers. And they, they heard somebody breaking in their cars. They went to the back door. Craig was first. Um, they automatically got sh- uh, pelted with fire. Right, right when they came, right, right when Craig right, uh, as soon as came Craig out the opened door. the door, they got ambushed. Um, I just got the phone before we started with Craig, and uh, I didn't know. I knew he lost part of his ear, but it actually went in his cheek, came out the other side. Jesus, and lucky. Took, and took out a chunk of his earlobe. Um, got one across the back that uh, made a gash in his back. The other two were fine, but they, and then Scott Boyer, I heard, said this is the first time in his whole career that he felt like a victim uh, for the first time because they, they couldn't do anything because they were getting shot. At and they couldn't get out the door because right. they were getting shot at. And finally, when the, uh, the time the shots fired stopped, they got out there and they were gone. But great police work by the city, Intel. I don't want to give credit to everybody. And uh, the federal marshals helped out and, and uh, caught all four of the How old G- were they? 13 and 14. Unbelievable. Well, yeah. Good, our but he's our doing prayers good. are with Craig and yeah, uh, yeah. all those guys because, you know, anytime you're involved in an incident like that, it's, he was so um, lucky. I mean, so lucky. We talked about it last week. and and how how those incidents can affect you and you know obviously all of our our thoughts are with those guys and and um getting through this and and um craig he's gonna be fine just so everybody yes. knows he's you know as far as physically yeah mentally he's gonna know. have to deal with that so right yeah. yep producer john what were you about to say just a little um brighter side of blue business um people have been asking about huggy um you know J- jack was just giving a uh, an uh, a title, you know, recently. And Huggy's never had a title. Uh, Huggy is, uh, he's kind of a shadowy character. But, <laughs> Absolutely. But to justify having him on, on the payroll, I had to give him a title. So he's, Huggy is now our event coordinator and also click pimp. He's click a pimp. click pimp. Yeah. Huggy like the it. click we, pimp. We need clicks. We need clicks. So help Huggy out in his he's job. He's still an advisor. An he's advisor. definitely an advisor because he he really uh, I won't say he 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 advised on the Clyer one pretty heavy. Yep. Yeah, he did. So anyway, and and, and Huggy's are you know without <laughs> Huggy it doesn't go forward. He's the one that convinced us that we could do this no, thing. No, 
Um, I, mean, I mean, producer John has been uh, cracking the whip on all these titles. Right. And and he's he's in, he he's let in us charge. know pretty quickly that he's in charge. He's our boss. Well, there ain't no so. doubt about it. No, and, and I accept it. He's Can I ask it. you guys a question real quick? <laughs> yeah. From a law enforcement perspective, is Bigfoot a cold case or a missing person? <laughs> Don't care. The godfather of homicide, Joe Burgoon. Let's do Great it. man. Peace. Out. Peace. Hit it, Huggy. All right. Here we are with uh, Joe Burgoon, uh, the godfather. Another sit down with the godfather. Um, as everybody will notice that uh, Danny and JJ are not here, which helps everything. You know, we've sent them to uh, couples counseling. Um, so <laughs> get their get their relationship right. We are here with producer John. Say hello, producer John. Hello there. And then uh, Joe Burgoon. Say hello, hello Joe. <laughs> So one of the things uh, when we brought Joe on the last time and he talked about stuff that we wanted to talk about, which is, um, you know, the national murder. A lot of people were, you know, that's a big St. Louis case. Um, and we talked about a, a, um, a murder in the, near the Francis Park, which a lot of our people are from the south side. So they wanted to hear about that. But, you know, one of the cases that Joe wanted to talk about, as we talked about after the show and and we've talked about talked to him since is the case of Ellen Bame. And uh, Ellen killed or is has been convicted of killing two of her children. And um, that case was pretty special to you, Joe. You were very involved in that case. And tell us a little bit about that case. Well, it started off, uh, get, we got uh, we notified uh, by uh, Sergeant Dan Duffy. He was in the gambling section at the time. He got a call from some some a witness, some person, he didn't want to name who it was, about some lady that had two children die within a year. And they were young. They were, there was a two-year-old and a four-year-old, two boys. And uh, so we thought we'd, you know, we'd get involved in it. So uh, we went over to the medical examiner's office and talked to Dr. Graham, Dr. Mike Graham, and he was aware of them. And he said, uh, yeah. And we're, we're running tests now and everything. And it turned out, we, the more we investigated, uh, the first boy, David, he was two years old. He died on November, in November of 88, November 24th. And his other, his brother, Stephen, died the same day, a year later. Which one was the two-year-old? That was David. Okay, that was the second and one. The other boy was Stephen. Okay. And the... Uh, from what the, so what would what the mother said we went uh, went to talk to her that uh, she took the the one boy, little boy was on the couch or was on and uh, she was in the kitchen and she came in to check on him and he wasn't breathing so she ran down the hall uh, there was a medical student she lived at the high rise apartment at forty seven twenty South Broadway it was more of a senior citizen place. Uh, Anyway, she ran down to get to get the, the medical student, and he ran, he came down or he called nine one one. That he went down there and he started trying to do mouth to mouth and CPR, and uh, uh, they got there and uh, uh, he was he was pronounced, you know. So, and then like I say, a year later, uh, same a day a, 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 to the day. She's running down the hall. She goes first. She went to another neighbor, and then she went to his. Done said my boy. It happened again. 
he goes in there and uh, there's a baby on the, on the couch. Said he was watching. Didn't go to school over the weekend. He's fully got some shots, uh, polio and uh, measles and diphtheria, and then he's fully got sick or had a reaction. That's what they thought it might have been. But uh, she 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 went to she her mother used to watch her. She was divorced. Her mother used to watch the kids while she went to work. You know, and uh, she went over and told her that. Uh, you don't have to watch him. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be home. You know, that particular day. Not that particular day. And so they stopped and they got a taco, got on a taco and a soda, and they came home and he was watching Sesame Street. And then she said she heard him laughing, and next thing you know, she went in the, went in the living room and, and he was on the couch and he was blue. So uh, that's when she ran down the hall. You know. Was so, there any indications of because I, I read an article in preparation that they thought the first one was SIDS? They blamed the first they one. They blamed them on every guess, and they didn't know Cardinal Glennon and and then they also Children's Hospital. They were both involved in it, right? Because SIDS is a, usually when they go to sleep and they're yeah, you know they're, in their crib, they, they, not when they're four years old no, and watching years. Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, stuff to say that's SIDS. So okay. it just the more we talk, get to talking. Uh, talking to her and everything and let the doctor know and they're running all kind of tests and it's going to take time and they were also she had a little girl jennifer jennifer was seven and supposedly her, she was taking a bath one time not too long before that and supposedly the little boy the old steven he supposedly threw a hair dryer in the bathtub uh, but they were, she un, she unplugged it right away. But her mother took her to the hospital to make sure you know she the, was okay. the mother unplugged it or the no the child the, the child girl unplugged did, it. Jennifer did yeah and uh, so you know you, you don't know what you got for the time being you got you can't rush it you got to wait and see what the doctor says and uh, but you can definitely see where Dan Duffy's could, informant yeah, uh, was yeah. was on the money or it was on was the up money to something. And they were yeah. talking different people and we found out that uh, uh, she worked for Arthur Anderson accounting firm she was a uh, computer operator and uh, I took a collection up for both the first child twelve hundred dollars they gave her and then she had a one she had a policy and then she went to the funeral home and had that all set up you know and then uh, she went to one funeral home. And then uh, we found out later on she didn't pay the funeral bill <laughs> for that one. You know, and then, so uh, she she had financial gain after she the had first a lot child. of problems. Or she was she was married to a guy. His name was Paul Bame. Uh, Paul was married before. He had a wife and two kids. And he uh, he drove a bus, metro bus. And he met, that's how he met Ellen. And then, so they, he left his wife and got with Ellen. They get divorced. And then uh, that's when they had the three children. He was a veteran, been in the Army. So they applied for a GI loan on a house over on Wyoming, uh, real close to uh, Roosevelt High School. Well, then later on, he, after his got three kids, he winds up uh, leaving, quits his job, and he leaves leaves us leaves Ellen, and 
meets this other lady, and they had a couple kids, but uh, I mean, she lost it. You know, she had a lot of debt. They had foreclosed on her house, you know, a lot of things. And then she was working there. And she worked part-time. She's delivering pizzas, huh. you know, trying to get a, get ahead. And uh, so when that first child di dies, she gets, she gains a little financial. Bit. Not a lot of money. Not a lot of money. Enough later to... on, she, later on, we find out she took out some, she took out some policies on the, the, the daughter Jennifer and then the other boy and some on herself after the first death. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it, it was about $90,000, but these insurance companies are kind of had some doubts. You know, we, we, we were calling it, well, we put together chief, uh, chief Hackett put together. We had a, um, uh, special invest called a special investigative homicide team. Uh, we had a nickname for it. I'll tell you when we're off the air. <laughs> but uh, special homicide investigation team. I think we can all uh, yeah figure out what these S H for short. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> so uh, we, we're waiting. You know, it's just a lot of patience with the doctors. They don't know it. And you can't just run in there and they they gave. They look. They were looking at one heart problem, and they they thought it might have been a heart problem. They give her and the, the daughter. They give her the tests, and there was everything was negative. Uh, they were able to run some other tests on the boys, and they couldn't find nothing there. You know, just as a kept. So since on. these were, again, I guess you will call them suspicious deaths. That's what it is. Suspicious so are death. you as a homicide in your homicide team? As a, but the special homicide team. Are you guys treating it as a homicide almost at well, this point? Well, at that, we're just getting gathering information for now. But it's had, fishy enough that you guys are yeah, really we had, digging. Uh, well, Tom Weiber was on it, Daryl okay. Cordia, Walter Wa Walt Wagner, and Rocky, Rocky Jones, Rochelle okay. Jones. There, it was four, five, five of us all together. You know, so you guys are kind of talking amongst each yeah, other. Thinking yeah, and, and they were kind of, when we first had the first meeting, and a couple of people were concerned about you know, what, we better do something what about that little girl. Right. So, so they went down there and talked to her and just said, we got, we're watching this real close. And nothing, right. nothing better happened to that little right. girl, you know. And so she got, she, you know, she she was told, you know. Okay. But it was a lot of some of her, of her associates or friends, some people from work. She didn't have much of a life, you know, as far as uh, with the children. Now, had you... When do you do you ever interview the husband? Eventually. Okay. Years later. So you're waiting. Okay. He came, he was in Arizona. So he's out of state at the time. Out of state. Yeah. Okay. But I was wondering what he might say about her as far as what she came Well, you know, you don't you just keep what it, what he tells you, you gotta take that right. with a grain of salt too. Well, you know, with his track record. <laughs> right. We'll get back to now. So now you're waiting for the doctors. Doctors, it uh, takes a long their, time. Investigate while they're doing that. You guys are interviewing people. We're interviewing when do you, a lot of when people. When do you finally get the information from the doctors that this? Is I was. It, this is a, a a lengthy ongoing. You know, it it, uh, it was almost two years. Wow. Yeah, that's how long we we worked on it. You know, uh, somewhere in the investigation later on, we called up at the uh, behavioral science unit in Quantico, the FBI, and I talked to an agent up there and explained what we got, what we had. He says, we've never had nothing like this before. This is the first one. 
So send us what you got. So we you know, put a packet together and sent it all together up there. And uh, eventually they came to St. Louis. As Jim Wright was his name. Jim and his and a young uh, agent, new agent in there named Steve Etter. And they went over everything. They gave us some suggestions what to do when the time came. You know, so they were what, pretty you know, convinced what, what we could do, and uh, so that's what we were doing. We uh, one of the things he said to set up our big room and put, move a lot of cabinets. It's like we got a big task force going, and we got all this stuff going, and it was everything was done already. You didn't have to. Right. Was, and we take we took uh, tables and we put empty soda cans on it. We had ashtrays full of cigarette butts. Uh, this was like the, the, uh, like the war room. Of yeah, the case. war room. Yeah. Right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, so it uh, it went along. You know, just it just took time. And finally, he said he was Dr. Graham said I'm going to a uh, I'm going to a conference in uh, California. I'm going to meet with some doctors. And uh, he said that uh, you're all experts on child deaths. You know, because he just, he, he's very cautious. He's, he's, he wants to be right, you know. And uh, there was one, one doctor, he's, he was from Columbia, University of Missouri, Dr. Dix. He was a medical examiner up there. Well, he's deceased now, but uh, there was five doctors that looked at these, you know. I got the names here. <laughs> That's, I don't know them. No, okay, yeah, but they were good. They were good, you know. But they told us how to, what to do, and uh, so he said, you know, be, best time. Oh, she had, she bought a car. She once she did. She bought a car for uh, bought a Lumina from Dan Brown, new car, and uh, I could cost her fifteen thousand. They gave her some discounts. It was about eleven thousand. She wanted to get a red one. She couldn't get a red one, so they. They sold her a blue one. That was it. Yeah, you know. Having a different color car is yeah, always good yeah, for marketing. Yeah, and then she and she did uh, she did move out of those apartments. Okay. She got a she rented a place in. Uh, but both the deaths happened in the same apartments. Yeah, both of them. Same apartment. She's now moved. It's two years later. Yeah. And she where did she move to? Fifty one hundred block of South Broadway. It was, okay. a, it was a, a two family flat. She lived upstairs. A nice building, you know. Now, in the two years, how often did you ever go back and talk to her just oh, yeah. to let her know that you were They'd go off around? and on. They'd go. Other guys would go, you know, Daryl. And uh, Daryl was in child abuse, you know, and then Rocky and Walt Wagner. You know, everybody went went back. Let's and just called, let her know you're yeah, still, still know, around. Yeah, let her know you're still around. And, we haven't forgotten. And checking on the daughter, right? Uh-huh. That was part of your yeah. plan, too, is to make and sure. And what, what we did with those, uh, I mentioned this, the, 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 the team, our team. And then we had the lady in the lab, Mel Redmond. And there's Bill Swires. He was a former officer, you know. And mm-hmm. what we did was we had we got all our, our records, all our bank records and everything, and we had it all what what she spent, you know, on this and that. And we made they made big charts up. So when they were, they were as big as those things, just about. And uh, uh, so when we had them all set up, when she walked in there, she's looking at all this. <laughs> So when you brought her, when you finally, when finally brought her in, got her in there. She's looking at all of them. Man, these guys really have been working, you know. So when you finally bring her in, have the have the doctors did did, and what's the doctor's name again? Doctor Michael Graham. Michael Graham. Did did Doctor Graham tell you guys that this is a homicide or? Oh yeah, he finally ruled it. We went to the grand, okay. We went to the grand jury and we got her. We got her indicted. Hey Joe, what? 
The times you did interact with Ellen, what was her demeanor like? Was she cooperative? Or? She was very co very cooperative, you know, and uh, it took about an uh, uh, once we got what they told us to get her when she gets off of work. So we're waiting. We're waiting at 12th and Clark. Figure she's got to drive by to come by us, and we start following her, and we lost her in the traffic <laughs> <laughs> for a little bit. And Captain Bauman, Bob Bauman was there. He was there. He he was there. I said, if we don't get, if we don't get her, we're going to be in trouble. Because <laughs> he he had a place at Innsbruck, and he'd go out there on the weekends. But he didn't go this weekend. He was going to stay here for that, you know. So, but we got her. And then we said we got to come to the office, you know. And then uh, she had Jennifer with her, so we got so we got some officer to get take care of her, you know. And I started talking to her and talking to her. And first she, you know, denied it and everything else. And the more she looked at, we started explaining this to her. How do you explain this? And then finally she said, I did it. Wow. And basically what she, what she did, and that's what he couldn't figure what happened, but she took a cushion. She was a, she must have weighed 300 pounds. And uh, she, she got this cushion, put them on the floor, there's concrete floors, and put that cushion on top of it and then laid on top of it. And then they couldn't breathe in the compression, you know, and it wouldn't show, you know. And they did it with the other one, and then uh, she still had the couch. You know, she said she bought a new couch. She didn't buy a new couch. That the, that of the cushions she used? Yeah. So she kept that, she kept the cushions kept and the, the couch? Cushion, kept the couch, you know. And then finally, when he got to they, when he got to the preliminary and they're getting ready to go, getting ready for trial and everything, went got her and we had her indicted already. And Shirley Lepker, Shirley uh, Rogers, Shirley Rogers, she's a, she was a assistant circuit attorney. And then she says, "Well, you have two choices." He says, "It's either the death penalty or it's uh, life without parole." Uh, she took life parole without parole. And then blood. Yeah. She pled. And then what did the daughter, the surviving daughter, what happened to her? That poor thing. Uh, well, they brought her. They had a hearing now at, at the juvenile court. And the father of the year showed up. You know, Arizona. And, and, and uh, they, they may have roasted him. Oh, they, <laughs> he, he got blasted. <laughs> but he didn't get custody. And he he went down to Florida. He, was, he finally got a he got some kind of a uh, some kind of a pension. Spoiled. He said he had Agent Agent Orange, but that poor soul wound up in custody of uh, uh, juvenile family services. And she called she called one time, and uh, uh, I think she was down around Farmington or somewhere. She was she was in a group home like. And uh, there was a book written about this case uh, called "Sleep My Child Forever" was the name of the is the name of the book, and she read the book, and she said, "I want to thank you for saving my life." She called you. Yeah, she called. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, later when Jim Wright retired at the FBI, I, I went. Up, I got invited to his retirement. I went up. We went up to Quantico. And I gave a little talk to the, to the behavioral science people. I just mentioned about her calling. I said, you know, your job is finding killers, and here you saved a life. You know, 
you know, by, by what all we, what all we what all you recommended we do and we did. Oh, so that was that was. Uh, yeah. That is neat. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things, too, Joe, over the years, uh, listening to some of your interviews, and is that you do stay close with a lot of the victims' families um, for one reason or another. One of the things, and producer John and I were talking, is that obviously that helps the, the victim's family. Does it help you, too? Yeah, it does. You, you, you know, you're, you don't forget about them. Right. You know, you don't forget about people. And, uh, uh, you touch a lot. You really, you don't know how, how many lives you touch. You know, but right. You don't you don't do it for you. It's for them. That's right. That's what it's all about. But then you know, some you get closer to than others. Oh, absolutely. Over the yeah. years. Yeah. You know, well, just like, like in your story with national the national food store yeah, with the your Herald, uh, relationship no with Harold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I remember you telling us the story um, off the air of uh, the Pantazzo Market. Yeah, Kathy Pantasso. You yeah. stayed. You stayed in touch with her for quite a while, didn't you? What happened in that case, Joe? She was a school teacher. She worked at taught at the Bryan Hill School. You know, fifth district. All of a sudden, it comes to the fifth district. But her mom, her mom, and her mom and uh, that mother had a little store on on, a, on Compton and Arsenal, on the northwest corner. And when Kathy would get Kathy would get off. Of, Work at school, she'd come to the store, and her mom would go home because there was, she had young brothers and sisters, and she would, mom would fix the dinner, and Kathy would stay there, and and then uh, she'd do her homework, grading papers and everything, and he had a neighbor came, a neighbor came in there, he used to always a security guard, and he always wore his uniform, and then uh, the mother would call call, and she couldn't, nobody's answers, nobody answers. So eventually she went down to the store and she goes in and she finds a guard on the floor and Kathy shot three times in the head, you know, and they rushed her to the hospital and they, they she survived it, you know, but she was, wow. you know, but she was, you know, uh, from the injuries, from the brain and everything. Paralyzed? Yeah, not paralyzed, but she could walk, you know, but she, right. And that was, she was 20, 22 years old when it, it happened to her. You know, and uh, and you stayed in touch with her over the yeah. Years. I, when I was in the third, it was in the bureau. They they lived on uh, Hartford. Okay, and I used to go over and see them. You know, and and I told Bill McClellan about her. I said, you know, there's a story about a, a mom and dad. They were they were immigrants. He owned his her father was a he was a uh, he owned a bar on South Spring, and his wife had that sword. They're raising her kids. And uh, she called me, and Bill, Bill wrote a story about her, about him, you know. Well, then she calls me up, Mrs. Pantazzo, I want you to come over. I want you to bring Mr. McClellan over here. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'll get hold of him. And I said, no, don't you fix nothing. We don't want it. So, so we get we get over there, Bill. I met Bill. We go over there, and uh, she's got a dining room table, all china, the whole, the whole bit, you know, and, you want beer? You want a drink? <laughs> so she put a spread out for you. Yeah, huh? she had, and, and then uh, oh. so then Kathy came down and she had a, a, some a spare temper pit thing. You know, she just you know they fly off the handle. You know, and that. But but my, the mom, she fixed a big dinner for us. You know, big lunch for us. That's neat. That's neat. <laughs> yeah. In, in that incident where the shooting took place, that it wasn't even a robbery, was it? This, uh, yeah. And what what had, what had happened? Yeah, we didn't know what was missing. 
that's a trouble. You know, a couple blocks away, they found a, they found some canned goods. So Jake, Norm Jacobs Mark gets a call a couple of days later. We're we're lost, you know, in a way. And the guy says uh, he was calling from Atlanta, Georgia. He said, "Did you get? Did you have a policeman killed up in St. Louis in the last couple of days?" And Jake says, "No, we had a security guard." He said, well, "We got a, we got two guys down here in a stolen car." And the one guy is saying that his stepfather is the one that killed killed the guy and shot and shot this other lady. So then we we go to we have to go down to uh, Atlanta. So Phil, I'm the rookie. I've only been there a, less than a year. And Phil Dwyer and, and myself and there was a gentleman. He was he was a circuit attorney at the time, a assistant Paul Allred. So we flew down there and we we, we interviewed him, you know, and. Uh, uh, talking to this, it was his uh, stepson. His stepson was the one, Joe was his name. He told us what he told him what happened. He wasn't with him, but he just got out of the penitentiary in Atlanta, came up here, and he weren't living that far away from the store, and he was down the street in a bar drinking, and he decides he needs, uh, you know, doesn't have any money, so he goes in there, and they, 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 uh, I don't know how much they got. It wasn't that much, you know. And then uh, from here, they uh, they left and they all went to Atlanta. And they were tired. They got caught. So we went down there and uh, talked to both of them. Then we had to go before. We, well, then he told us he sold a gun at a truck stop, you know. And uh, so we started going. We had a, a Roy, Roy, Roy Baker. He was a detective at the sheriff's department. And we, we drove all the way to Hopskinville, Kentucky, stopping at truck stops, trying to find out if anybody saw it, you know. And whenever they stopped find at every truck stop? Every, all the way up there, you know. They, That's uh, thorough. Good old-fashioned uh, police work. But years, years later, we get a call from Colorado. They recovered the gun. It was an NCIC. Really? And they, they, mailed, they mailed it to... Uh, the lab here, and Frank. That was Stubin. the guy already convicted. Yeah, he was already. He was, yeah, he gave him life without parole. Oh, he got a life. He gave him life. Now was the victim still alive? Or yeah, last I heard, her, her mom's died and her dad died. Okay. And last I heard, she was in a nursing home out in uh, Eureka. Yeah, she had a tough time getting around. Correct. Yeah, on her own. Yeah, she. Her mother was. Her mother. Her mother got dementia. Okay. So they were together out there, you know, but. She, the other case I wanted to touch on a little bit was the Cassidy Center case. Okay. Um, Cassidy was was came up missing in North County. Yeah. And her body ended up being found in an alley in St. Louis. Yeah. And it was right around the time of the Angie Houseman. They were murder. both missing. But so tell us a little bit about the the Cassidy Center. I I, I know that um, Angie Houseman is wasn't exactly yours, but you were had some to do with Cassidy Center. Yes. Uh, it was a, actually it was the day my brother retired from the police department. We were up there. He had a little ceremony, and then we would come out of there, and uh, we know that we we were told they found the body of the little girl, Cassie Center, up off of Dr. King and uh, Prairie. So then we went up there, you know, and they had her. She was found in an alley. She's wrapped up in a sheet, and uh, we had it all roped off and everything. And all the major case squad was there. 
my friend from Quantico, he came in. Oh. He was there. <laughs> for the same guy from the same guy from the yeah, from the uh yeah. Ellen Bame case. Yeah. Okay. So uh you know, so we're 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 working on it and, and uh they have a meeting and they decide it's because it's found in the city, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna assist the county. So uh, myself and Chris Pappas and Joe Nickerson, we went out to the county. We had we were we were in the uh Police Academy in the county, that's where the command post was set up. You know, and, and uh, you had the FBI there, and you had the state police, Missouri Highway Patrol, and then uh, mostly it was a county thing. They, and they, at that time, uh, they started a deal where they were taking phasing detectives out after you'd been in their bureau five, six years back in uniform. God forbid have experienced people in jobs. So they, they had to bring all the ex-detectives back. <laughs> yeah, they had to work on this, and they worked on it. it was a couple months. How long was she missing before they found her body? Uh, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't that long because she wasn't weeks. that bad, you know. Uh, then I but believe they, they do um, an analysis of the blanket. They did that in her clothes, and then and they, were, jeans, they found orange and white chips on the blanket. Yeah, yeah, they did. And then I believe it was Bobby Bays, maybe, and his partner. What happened? Well, what happened? They found a U-Haul truck that might have been well, rented. Well, we did, what happened was he, when we were there, the FBI was doing plaster casts on the tire tracks. Would, uh, they sent them away to their at the lab in Washington, and they were doing the stuff you got to do, and you know they were canvassing and everything, and following up on leads, and. Uh, what uh, what happened there? That when they finally came back, we came back. We all we we'd have a meeting twice a day on the squad. Everybody was here about, and they find out that uh, the brother, this little, he used to work at a McDonald's restaurant on Lidburg, on in Hazelwood, and right across the street was a a, a, a truck stop. They run, they run the trucks, and. Uh, the guy says, uh, Bob, Bob says, I know right where that place is. You know, so they sent him up there. He knows those guys, whatever it was. And uh, they they were bringing a lab team in. They were flying a lab team in from Washington. And they were going to uh, uh, do the investigation on the scientific stuff. And they they uh, they took, uh, they, just, they just took the, the truck. They had a tow truck, and they towed that thing to, to uh uh, I think like the county, the county at, at their lab. The particular one he rented? Yeah. The, the the, yeah, yeah they put a, they, because they were on the way there, <laughs> they put an officer there until they got there and they could get it out of there. You know? Now, you said there was a, the little brother, the brother of the suspect worked at the McDonald's across the street? No, he, uh, Thomas Little did. Okay, Thomas Brooks. And he quit. Wasn't it? Yeah. His name was Thomas Brooks, right? Brooks, Thomas Brooks. Yes, okay. Okay. Yeah. You know his 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 father had a uh, Thomas's father had a auto repair shop up the street on Doctor King. He had twenty two kids. Oh, twenty two. Yeah. All he did was work. Well, work besides work. working. Yeah. <laughs> a couple different kinds of work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. He could fill. He could fill the full offense and the full defense. Twenty two kids. <laughs> where does, do you remember where Thomas fit in? As a twenty-two, was he like? I didn't never did ask him. He, <laughs> he went to prison when he was seventeen. That tells you something. 
Right. And he wasn't a big guy. He was a little guy. The father or Thomas? Thomas. Okay. And the dad wasn't a big man either, you know. But uh, so it, so we were trying to figure out where those chips came from on the red paint, you know. What had happened, uh, we went back out there. No. We did a second time. We went out in, in February. Uh, we kept telling them we need to go back in the neighborhood. We went out there, Chris and, and, and Joe, and we're standing out in front of the house, and people are driving by, and they keep looking at us and looking at us. <laughs> they knew who we were. You know, and as I took, come back and we told the sergeant that it's his case. He said, you need to go back out there, you know. And uh, they're just That's a neighbor there. Put, put it off, you know, put it off. But finally in February, decided to go back out there. This is from November. Yeah. So we go back out there and uh, we all come back and have a meeting, you know, and the guys, all of a sudden you hear about uh what happened was this his sister had a boyfriend who was in the county jail. And he's there watching TV, and he sees the police out there. She says, what's the police doing out there? He said, Tommy, Thomas killed a little girl. She's in the basement. He says, he's got, when I, I'm getting out. When I come over here, you're gonna get, he's going to get rid of her. So what they did, they, he told him, you got you to get, get him out of here, get her out of here. They went, that's when he rented the truck. Came back and he had to use a dolly to get her up the steps. The paint chips come off the dolly. Okay, that's their red paint chips, you know. And then he said, "So she was she was in the in the house in the while house the investigation while the initial investigation is yeah. going on." Yeah. I think he was, yeah. He just claimed that she got scared. You know, she he used to play with. Uh, she used to play with her, his sister's kids. I figured she might have stopped her. They weren't there. You know, I think he was gonna. I think he was gonna. I think he was gonna sexually assault her, more than likely. You know, and he beat her with a bed slap. So the sister knew that the baby was in the house, yeah. and she was living there at the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's disturbing. He went to prison. No, <laughs> good for got them. Got some time, and so did the boyfriend. Just got out. Of <laughs> just got out. Of, just yeah. who was watching it on television? He, yeah, he went. He followed him. He followed him in the truck. He backed out with the truck, and he hit. He hit, knocked the mailbox over. So he gets out of jail and goes right into a, a, a murder case. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Nothing like a little rehab. Yeah. Well, Thomas, that, that works. Thomas is another one. He died in prison. Thomas died in prison. Yeah, I he, think he died of AIDS. I think I did. saw. He did. I've ever heard or. Yeah. Um, now, Joe, one of the questions I always like to ask and, and uh, is, is of everybody is who, who on the police department, as you were coming through, who who were those people that kind of that you kind of followed and and looked yeah. up to as mentors and and, yeah. and friends? Because sometimes your friends can be your mentors. Sure, yeah. There was a lot of a lot, lot of partners you had. I was a mobile reserve. You're a rookie. You know, you, uh, you got guys that show you what to do, what not to do. So you you be careful out what there. What not to do sometimes more important than what to absolutely. do. Absolutely, absolutely, and then. When I left, I was there eight and a half years, and you just start teaching the younger guys too. You know, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, when I went to homicide. It's a different world. Uh, you miss the action because it's 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 you're slowing you're slowing down because he's got to be got to do everything the right way. But Norman Jacobsmeyer was uh, lieutenant at the time, and uh, 
he was a detective in homicide. He was a sergeant in homicide. He was a lieutenant in homicide. And he was a captain there. He never left, and he unfortunately got sick and passed away. Uh, Phil Dwyer, Phil Dwyer was a veteran. He was in homicide 25 years. Uh, Alan Gates, Tom Bowe. Hilltop, uh, right? Hilltop. Alan Gates. Yeah. <laughs> For those listeners that don't know, the Hilltop hey, is a bar that several policemen hung out in on occasionally. Yeah. Hey, mother. <laughs> hey, mother <my laughs> exactly. Mother. <laughs> uh, just a lot of guys. And, and uh, when I went back after 27 years in homicide, I went back in the district, you know, and I'm like a rookie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I just kind of had a, a Lenny Bober was a good guy to, to work with. Lenny was a sergeant. up. He kind of mm-hmm. took me under his wing for a little while. Oh, that might. Get, uh, I don't know how you survived that. Got your, got your. <laughs> <laughs> I was under Lenny's wing for a hot minute in the Central yeah, Patrol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but he's a good guy. Absolutely, yeah. he's an awesome guy. Yeah. And then, so just like the Norm Brock or the Norm Jacobs Meyer, I know Steve was his child or was his kid, Adolf, right? It was his nephew. His nephew. Yeah. And uh, Steve was a homicide guy. So yeah. that, that whole family was maybe yeah. a, and his dad was assistant chief. Right. Yeah. So that, so that, that those were kind of your mentors. Yeah. You, you know, know they, coming up. You try to, neat. and you try to, you tried to, uh, uh, when I, when I went, when I left the uh, homicide, I went to the ninth district and uh, major, Zambo was in charge, and he wanted me to start some classes out there. You know, and did, we did crime scenes, and that. I had to look for the crime scene. So we did the whole, I did all, uh, I either did a, a night six or two, or uh, when I worked six or two as the overlay, we'd do a couple classes a night. On day watch, we'd do maybe 11, 10 to two or something, 10 or 12. It's a great idea. They got credit, for, they got credit Post-credit. Post-credit. Yeah. Well, that's a great idea. And we went to the South we went to South Patrol. Major Zambo was no dummy. That was a good idea. Yeah. Then he got done. He retired then. He, yeah. We were going to do a couple of other ones. How to, if I hit police shootings and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. That's, it is important to know exactly yeah. what to do yeah. when you show up first. Yeah. Because you can screw up a lot of stuff if you show up oh, you, you and know, uh, don't know what you you're gotta doing. you got to do it right the first time. You don't get right. the second time. Well, and then it, it, if you do something wrong when you're the first guy there, it's just something somebody's got to clean up, like oh, you or somebody else has got to just say, you know, they made a little mistake <laughs> you know, when you're in court. But it was, uh, yeah, it, it 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 was a good good experience. So the whole career was good. You know, you learned it. And how many years is just? I know this was on the previous show. How many years did you do with the city? Forty three. Forty three, and then how many years did you do with the cold case out in the county? Seventeen. Seventeen. So sixty years of of chasing, being the voice of victims, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is was probably your specialty over the years, and I, you know, they say homicide, and you did a lot of homicides, but you also did missing children, uh, yeah. cold cases, yeah. just so much stuff that was uh, some things. Involved in it. It's just a sil- silliest thing. Uh, we were working a a murder in uh, O'Fallon Park, and there was a there was a guys, and they were going around, and their lovers lanes up there, and they'd get the guy out of the car, and uh, the guy take off, you make them take off their clothes. So this one one uh, one guy says he ain't taking off his clothes. Well, they shot him. Well, the girl was his lady was with. She stripped down her bra and panties, and she ran from O'Fallon Park over down to Broadway. You know where the gas station yep. is down there? 
they could call the police, you know. And uh, eventually we, we caught them. But there was a couple of guys. I guess they were after guys too. But they, okay. but they took, they got two guys and they, they beat them up and they took them down to county. Then they came back and they dumped a car up up in the 5th District again. There we go. Up up at Randall in an alley in the garage. So we're in there. I was with Ron Skaggs. And we're in there. She's got a little 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 child, you know, and two or three. And we're talking and talking to him and everything else. And uh, I see you, you like gum? I had a pack of, pack of Trident. <laughs> I, I give him a piece of gum. And uh, his mother said it was okay. And then she tells us who put the car back there. You know? And... Uh, uh, we we got they got him. We, were, we had a wanted out for him, but they they, they robbed a Seven uh, Eleven on Pine Street right there. Seventeenth mm -hmm. uh, and Pine. They jumped. They caught. They caught him. You know, and uh, the girl the girl that ran, she was able to identify the one guy, but she couldn't get the other guy. You know, piece of gum, huh? Piece of gum. That's how you solve cases every yeah, once in a while. Every once in a while, takes a piece of gum, right? That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. You got anything else, Producer John? No. I, the one question I wanted to ask is when you're putting a, an investigation together, what what's the most important thing as far as, you know, do you, is, is it the crime scene investigation? Is it the interrogation of witnesses and suspects? Or is it like... I think it's. I think start from the start. It's going to be the crime scene investigation. What kind of nowadays? You know, that's what they want. The juries want. They don't want uh, your testimony. They want that too, but they they want the whole bit. Okay. And you start with the evidence, and that's that's the main thing. You know, if you we had a case, one guy, and he, he lost it. He got a confession from a guy, and the guy was kind of slow. But it was a couple months later, and the guy was experienced. He was a sergeant, a good good interviewer. But he, and he was he'd interrupt him or he was talking, you know. But forget about the evidence. Just go with the confession, you know. And the guy went to prison for for a while, and they got him out, you know. Just because it he was died, confession. and the family sued, and they got a big chunk of money too. You know. Yeah, so, I know that evidence nowadays is. Uh, they want much more head. than the, the the testimony of police oh, officers yeah, yeah. is weighed. The evidence is weighed a lot more. Yeah, if you got a, if you got a black eye or something, if you, you, your credibility ain't too good. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nope. But once again, we appreciate you coming by, Joe. Well, right and uh, right I'm sure help. we'll see you again. Uh, and uh, <laughs> be, and one of the things we just want to do with this podcast, Joe, and I think you've I, you've heard me say it before, is just memorialize all the great police work that's been done over the years. Oh yeah. And so people can just look people back get, one day and, and see all the great policemen people, and, and people, people that went the, through. They think all the officers are, are all, you're all, they're all crooked and blah, blah, blah. You know, they don't realize, you, you know these people, how they are. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're good, honest people. You know, Absolutely. 99.9% so, sure. of policemen are out there. And the ones right that aren't, thing. they're going to get caught. And we want them to get caught, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, we don't want, that's not no. what we want. But, uh -uh. Um, and again, you know, we're going to have you back on probably. Okay. Um, at one of the events we're going to have, we're going to have some <laughs> events where we're going to have all of our uh, guests come by. The choir know, one of the things that, that that happens now, and I'm sure you've seen it, is that every time we all get together, it's usually at a funeral home. Oh yeah. And we want to try to break that and have some fun events. 
yeah. um, surrounding about police work and some good stuff that's going on throughout the area. It's not oh, just the city. No, police it's, the, it's the city and the county. And all they're the all municipalities, good. they're just out there. Yeah. They're out there doing great stuff. I can and, say that Jim Rakita, he's retired. He was a you know, detective. He walked, worked his way to be the chief of Belleville. Then he was working there. And he, he, had, he had boxes full of stuff on this guy, Gregory. On who? <laughs> on the, uh, Bowman, right? Okay. Bowman, yeah. You know, and uh, uh, he kept all that all those years. And he, they use it as trial, too. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. And then that's the kind of stuff we want to do. And we appreciate you being yeah. uh, so cordial to us over the, the, the oh, beginning of this podcast yeah. and, and help us get this you thing know, kicked I, off. I felt sorry for, uh, in a way, you look back on, like, Ellen Bohm. I mean, uh, you know, she lost her house, that husband, you know, and if he left her, she she had to stuck with all the bills and everything, you know, and then she winds up, you know, winds up now she's in there for life. You know, just sad. Nobody but wins. Nobody wins in these things, you know, you know when crime's involved, right? I don't know. Last, I talked to her one time, and... Uh, uh, she was in Arizona. She said, "She said her husband, boyfriend, her husband got killed in an automobile accident. She's got a couple of kids, and, and she's got a new fiance." Who Ellen does? <laughs> no, Deborah. Uh, Jennifer. Jennifer. Oh, yeah, Jennifer, yeah, the kid. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the kid. Yeah. Yep. How much did did Ellen get in total for the, all she that? She got life without parole. No. How much money did she get from the insurance policy? They they hold up. They held up. They wouldn't pay it. Okay. Yeah. The first one was for donations from work. Yeah, she got a little bit. She got a little bit to get the car. She had what power, okay. but all the rest she got. She had almost a hundred thousand dollars out. But you know, she was so broke. She had payroll reductions, and uh, she had to pay uh, so much to park, right? All that other stuff, and putting sure. everything on her inch. I'll tell you when we're off the air. Some other thing. <laughs> That's what everybody says to us. We'll talk off the air. That could be the most common statement. Brighter Side of Blue off the air. Brighter Side of Blue is signing off. Thanks again, Joe. You're welcome.